Now, let's talk sports with Kanoa Leahy on ESPN Honolulu. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu, being joined from the island of Maui because that's the kind of top-notch technology that we are rolling with here at ESPN Honolulu. Jordan Helly is on the horn. What's up, Jordan? How's it going? What's up, guys? Yeah, you know what is funny? It's kind of like um, the the equipment that I'm using is actually sort of antiquated um, with the way that, that all these things evolve. Oh, and you I, don't I say. Our, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and, and I know our guy Josh is doing games, you know, every every seemingly every day, and he's he's doing mobile stuff and and the the way that these technology and it's it's like computer based right now, and it it's sort of uh, it's sort of funny that uh, some of the the bygone technology is from knock on wood has been able to get me you know over to you guys here over the course of uh, the last several months Uh, it's sort of like the fax machine you know like what's the most reliable way to send a message it's like morse code and fax machines yeah yeah uh and so uh the old handy dandy tie line still uh, hasn't let me down just yet although it probably will crap out any minute now like the incredible advancements in technology that we have seen here like it is moving at the speed of light seemingly right however in the realm of radio it's like more at the speed of continental drift like we are still using technology from like 20 some odd 30 some odd years ago in some respects uh, but that's what's kind of uh, romantic about the radio thing right that's why that's why we love it because it's stripped down it brings you back to the basics it's part of the the pure art form that is uh, the the art of communication without visuals. That's that's uh, that's what we're doing. We're uh, we're waxing poetic here on uh, the fact that um, we're crossing our fingers every time Jordan plugs into this tie line because at <laughs> any moment it can break apart. Uh, but we're just happy that you are here. You did mention Josh Pacheco. Josh Pacheco is working the board here today. He's been a busy guy. Great job on the call, by the way, for the epic moment. Javon McClanahan hitting the buzzer beater. In fact. Uh, now that I look at it, we have uh, all three guys here have had some hand in announcing University of Hawaii basketball this year. Uh, and so I guess it's fitting that we should start there, right? I mean, there's a lot to get to. Uh, yet another concussion storyline attached to Tua Tongo Vailoa. We have to get to that at some point. We are going to be talking with Hawaii associate coach John Montgomery for the men's basketball team. Uh, he's going to join us in the second segment uh, because he has gone on record with me saying, that Javon McClanahan told him that he was going to game it. He was going to make that winning shot, calling his shot in essence. And we're going to get the firsthand uh, rundown of that from John Montgomery. Get his account as to exactly how that happened because that was uh, certainly one of the uh, great moments in the history of Rainbow Warrior basketball uh, just because of the circumstances, right? National television, it was for a championship. uh, And I think that that's kind of always been uh, or at least that's part of the conversation when you when you measure up. All right, what were some of the greatest shots, uh, game enders, buzzer beaters in, in UH basketball lore? Uh, and I think that this has to go up there just because, hey, look, it was for a championship, and it was for a championship on national television. Was it a conference title? No. Uh, was it a national championship? No. Uh, but for a mid-major program, you don't get a lot of chances to win championships, right, and certainly not to do so in that fashion. 
so before we start getting into the old uh, sports talk radio exercise of ranking, where does this rank in the history of Rainbow Warrior basketball buzzer-beating moments? Uh, we'll have some opinions on that, I'm sure. I just kind of want to take the temperature here in the room amongst us three uh, as to how you received and digested that moment. Now, I was uh, not working that game, but I was able to attend, and so that sort of added a different layer to it, a bit of a different experience for me uh, sitting in the seats and, uh, you know, hanging on to an adult beverage and watching this thing play out and watching the University of Hawaii seemingly try to lose that game in so many ways, right? They had the ball with about 30 seconds left down two. Uh, and instead of going and running something quickly to try to get a bucket, they let the clock run down. They almost took 20 seconds off of the clock before running something, which was a bit of a head scratcher for me. Um, and then they turn it over, right? Noel Coleman bounces it off of his foot. They go to the other, they have to foul. They go to the other end, a missed free throw by Zurich Phelps of all people, who is like this dynamic score. Uh, is probably going to go down as one of the best scores in the country. You'll probably see him play at the next level in some form in my opinion he was he was that good uh, and so he missed the front end of a one and one and I guess you can also perhaps credit Hawaii with the fact that they weren't in so much foul trouble that it was a double bonus situation and, and SMU had automatic two shots that's actually something that should be mentioned when talking about this Hawaii defense which I think is really really good this Hawaii defense is going to keep them in games all season long but because of that it's a one and one he misses the front end Hawaii gets the rebound Samuta Avea throws it out of bounds with four seconds left. SMU has it again. It's like, oh, man, that was the chance. In fact, a couple of chances we let slip by. You know, that's all you can ask for, a close but no cigar. And then Hawaii fouls, and they missed the front end of the next free throw. And then it was timeout. Hawaii basketball, they're inbounding. What are they going to run? And, of course, that's the play you run, right? Javon McClanahan dribble all the way up the floor and hit a leaning three over two guys. Like, that's the play you want to run, uh, and it worked out perfectly. I, obviously, I'm being somewhat sarcastic, but Javon, according to uh, some of his own words and also according to John Montgomery's account, he called his shot. He was that confident. He was feeling it. He felt like something was in the air, uh, and he ends up uh, authoring uh, what is one of the great moments in, in Hawaii basketball history. So for me, I think one of the things that I processed in the aftermath of this was just how, hey, look, that that's kind of how these things happen, right? The topsy-turvy nature of a basketball game and how the, the buzzer beater, it can wash away all of those potential miscues and misgivings, right? Like, what are they doing? Oh, no. Oh, why? And then the other team misses a couple of free throws, and it's like, we still have life. And then all of a sudden, this incredible moment occurs. So uh, that's kind of what I processed was, wow, uh, that could have gone in a completely different direction, but the opportunity, the planets aligned. It was a perfect storm of, of you know, some, some craziness that gave Javon McClanahan that opportunity. But, uh, man, that was some good stuff. What did you think, Jordan? That was great. I mean, you know, right on, on Christmas, and and in, in in other years, um, that game is as big a game, uh, you know, over the weekend because you're usually just sharing it with the the NBA. But of course, there was the NFL going on. But it still, I think, captured a, a pretty sizable audience, at least just judging via Twitter and and sort of the national attention uh, that it got and people that were tuning into the game, um, you know, a, a, as things kind of went on. Sunday and so it was another instance I think of this team and I, I I appreciate that you point out the defense because it's another instance where this team doesn't play perfect basketball 
um, some of their are you know the the quote unquote stars of this team um, go quiet for times, uh, but the depth of this unit, the the balance of this team, I think shines through, and I think that's kind of the nice thing for this group where you don't have to have Noel Coleman or Kamaka Hepa or whoever it is you know, night in and night out, it'd be nice, but they don't have to go off every night, right? Um, and, and their defense will keep them in ball games, um, even though they were outplayed for, for vast stretches <laughs> of that game on Sunday against SMU. They were, they were able to just kind of keep it close enough. Uh, and then you see these spurts, which at times can be maddeningly frustrating because you see these spurts where Hawaii looks amazing. Right, this yeah. group looks terrific, uh, but they're usually shorter spurts. <laughs> they haven't been able to kind of stretch that out, um, but they haven't needed to in a lot of these games. And I think we'll see that maybe come together a little bit more. I think the depth of this team is another thing that that uh, they can sort of package up and, and take into Big West play. As you saw, the guys that came off the bench thought Beyond Riley had a really good tournament uh, throughout. But but yeah, I'm sitting there um, in the living room waiting to eat like we were starting an early dinner uh, and everybody had started eating and i'm just like standing in front of the tv in our family <laughs> gathering they're like oh you, you gotta go eat i was like kid hold on this, <laughs> this is getting interesting <laughs> this this is getting exciting here this this might come down to the wire and then of course the last minute takes forever right yeah. because of the stoppages the fouls oh, the timeouts yeah. the ball's going out of bounds i think we had the review right oh. uh, you know it's it's like oh boy just building the suspense and then and then the shot man that's that's big time stuff and to do it on national television and, and so often for Hawaii right when you you think of it as you as you look at sort of the big picture it's like how do they capitalize on these moments right you want to cap the, the national TV games they they mean a little bit more because you've got more eyeballs you it's a chance to market the program it's a chance to play up to recruits uh, it's a chance to make an impression for for folks that uh, make decisions come the end of the year. Uh, and, and capitalizing on that for three nights and four days um, and, and, and being able to, to walk it off in that dramatic fashion, a lasting sort of image that got retweeted and replayed throughout the night right on into the next day into yeah. how that goes. Yeah. Uh, it's a big deal. Like It's a, it's a mm-hmm. big deal. Uh, and McClanahan, uh, kind of ironically, in a game that I thought was a bad matchup for him because of the length of SMU, right? He couldn't get his shot off. Yeah. And he's an undersized guy. That's no news flash to anybody. He's been able over the course of his career to to effectively use his strength, sort of his diminutive size to get under dudes and, and get into the mid range. But SMU was a bad matchup. They had a lot of long athletic guys on the perimeter that uh, kind of bottled up Javon and, and didn't let him get loose and then ironically he kind of finds a little crevice through two long arm defenders to heave the three and hit it. I thought it was I thought it was quite fitting uh, and uh, quite satisfactory I would say for for McClanahan. Yeah, you know that SMU team is a good team. Uh, I worked their first two games of the tournament and I was convinced like this this team which did not have a great record they were sub five hundred going into the tournament under first year head coach Rob Lanier. Um, they had some turnover on the roster like ten newcomers eight of them were transfers uh, but they got some pieces and they're clearly talented and it seemed as though they've turned a corner heading into this Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. They, I mean, they were playing better basketball going into the thing and you could see just the way they move the ball and just, you know, some of their interior passing. Uh, certainly Zurich Phelps is is dynamic. Uh, Zach Nuttall is is an absolute beast and uh, total leader of that team. And so that's a good team. And it, it makes me wonder, it makes me think, uh, 
in the Big West Conference, is Hawaii going to be seeing a team that has that talented a level of composition as SMU? And I would argue that that might be hard to find elsewhere in the Big West Conference. Now, you have to factor in once you get into the Big West, the familiarity uh, variable, right? So you have coaches who understand and know the Hawaii personnel, know a little bit more of the schematics, tendencies, those kinds of things. And so that changes the dynamic for sure. Uh, but to me, if this Hawaii team can defend SMU like that, if they can defend Washington State the way that they did, defend Pepperdine the way that they did, um, they're not going to be – I don't think the Big West has too many teams that are very glaringly – on the same level or more talented than what Hawaii faced against SMU. I, I'm not trying to undermine uh, the the talent level that there is in the Big West Conference. I, I think that I, I don't want to overstate that. Uh, but I think what's encouraging for me is what Hawaii was able to do against this SMU team that seemed to be really finding itself and an SMU team that's going to win a lot of games in the American and an SMU team that I think is going to vie for a conference title over there and um, and I just that that to me portends good things for Hawaii as they get ready to go into conference play. Uh, we're going to have to take a break here shortly. Uh, but Josh, maybe open up your mic. I know you'll have some opportunities or already have to to talk about it. But since you were on the call and and you know we kind of all have um, had a. a, a, a focused interest on UH basketball so far this year. Uh, just kind of give us your uh, your overall reaction, how you've processed it here in the last day. Yeah, I mean, it's it's still incredible to see how that happened because, and I think you, you kind of said it, the two turnovers, uh, Sabuta Vea's pass that went out of bounds, it was initially called a Hawaii ball but turned over on uh, on replay. It, it it seemed the opportunities were there for as, as much of a comeback Hawaii made to just watch it fall short. You know, and, you, and I and I was still thinking at that moment. You know what? Getting here to the championship game, you know, being this close, the American Conference is a good conference. Being this close against a team that is on the rise, that is still relatively new and, and yeah. getting to know each other, is still uh, an an impressive thing. But it's incredible to me that the one thing that Hawaii did not do a lot of in the last couple of games in that classic, the three ball, was what did it. Uh, sure. You know, and then of course the pandemonium after that, and the foul, and someone you know, someone nearly losing their shorts, and and all that stuff. Yeah. But um, <laughs> how it, it's you know, but it, I think we've talked to Iran several times where where we've talked about the different ways you find to win against opponents with different types of styles, and this is one of those ways, as classic as it will be, uh, finding another way to win. This team has been adaptable, and I think that's kind of how I've had to process it over the last now almost 48 hours, how this team has found another way to yeah. adapt. Yeah, uh, Javon McClanahan was owed one, right? Karma owed him one, right? They had a, a would-be game winner taken away against Texas, uh, Texas A&M Commerce, and so, yeah, I think uh, the universe spoke a little bit. Uh, I think Javon seemed to be uh, plugged into that, right, and seemed to be attached to that, which is why he was so confident going into that shot. It was almost as if he knew, like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I'm owed one, guys. Don't worry. This this is the one that's going to count because uh, the universe, uh, they kind of jipped me on the last one. So that's kind of interesting when you think about it. This guy has now hit two would-be game-winning threes for Hawaii at the buzzer. Uh, and it's just unfortunate that there was a foul call because if there was no foul call, it would have been a walk-off. And then Mike Kawazoi and everybody else that was sitting courtside could have just jumped in on everybody. It would have been like a pile with all these fans and family members. And that would have been beautiful. But alas, they had to, you know, peel everybody off of the mosh 
pit, and they had to go back, and they had to shoot the free throw, and then they had a timeout left, and it was just kind of staggering uh, and a bit anticlimactic towards the end. And also, if I may criticize one more thing for this Hawaii basketball team, Please. Uh, the attempt to hoist Aran Ganat. Uh, <laughs> did you see that? It was like just Zorned, like picked him up under his armpits, and like nobody else really like went over. I mean, they were all in the area, but I don't think they really like knew if they like wanted to hoist him or if that was the call or that was the move. And so it was just kind of like this this half-hearted, like he was held maybe like 18 inches off the ground and raised his hands. I was like, come on, guys, you can do better than that. You're going to hoist the coach, hoist him on the shoulders, man, walk him around the arena, do something to that end. But, uh, yeah, that would be the only other criticism that I have for uh, UH on what was an otherwise epic night. And uh, to talk more about that, we're going to have Hawaii associate coach John Montgomery on the line when we come back. That's right, more on that fantastic moment for Rainbow Warrior basketball with John Montgomery on the other side of this break. All right, welcome back. Let's talk sports. Coming to you on this Tuesday. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Jordan Helley is joining from the island of Maui. Josh Pacheco working the board. So all three of us in some ways have uh, uh, announced uh, some form of University of Hawaii men's basketball this season. So it's fitting because we're celebrating that fantastic moment, a crowning achievement, the McClanahan Christmas miracle shot against SMU that won Hawaii its first ever Hawaiian Airlines diamond head classic championship and to talk more about that uh joining us via the aloha kia hotline uh, hawaii associate head coach john montgomery on the line coach how you doing i'm doing great what a trio in the studio today oh man i mean this is some heavy hitters <laughs> here uh big time hammers um yeah John Montgomery, what I want to ask you, okay, uh, is if, before I get to the account of what was said between you and Javon McClanahan, is as a coach, as a member of this team, after uh, a win of that nature on national television and, and, you know, just one of the more special moments in the history of the program, how do the coaches celebrate after the fact? Can you clue us in on, on how that goes? <laughs> I wish I could tell you everything, but uh, no, I, you know what? That was uh, that was one of the coolest games I've ever been a part of, and the magnitude of it—the first time ever being in the uh, championship game, the Diamond Head, and you know, on Christmas Day, and uh, you know, just the the emotion. It's it's very exhausting. The tournament is, and then having it over Christmas, and you know, now I have a seven-month-old daughter, and trying to make sure her Christmas was great, like. The exhaustion, the adrenaline that came, the come down of adrenaline uh, after that game was just unbelievable. How tired I was, and um, but no, it was it, it was unbelievable. And um, you know, it's we, it's a quick turnaround. We have twenty, we had twenty four hours really to celebrate. We took yesterday off, and then you know we play a big game on Thursday. So. Um, it's it's uh, lot, lots of work still to be done. Well, we do want to get uh, to what's coming up for sure, but let's uh, rewind once again because uh, this was something that came out after the fact, uh, is that Javon McClanahan, uh, in essence, felt very confident about hitting that shot. He knew it was coming up. The circumstances had sort of aligned. The planets had aligned. It was a perfect storm of things that occurred where Hawaii had the ball, had to go the distance of the floor, uh, about four seconds left, down two. Uh, and I was texting with you, and you told me that he said something to you that, in essence, resembles or represents calling his shot. This is the stuff of legend. Tell us right now exactly what he said to you in the huddle. Well, first of all, I was shocked because 
he, he looked at me and, and I was just, you know, I was, uh, so many things were going through my head and, and, and his slang, he said, I'm a finna, I'm finna game it. You know, there, he's saying, I'm a finna game. And, and he spoke and I was like, well, what, what'd you say? <laughs> and he said it again. And I, when I looked at him, he looked me in the eye with like the sternest look, the, the most passionate look that I'm going to make this shot. And I'm telling you, I had the chills and I went and sat down and I said, we're going to win this game. I said, we're going to win this game. There's no doubt in my mind he was going to make this shot. That's the way that Javon is, the leader and the, the clutch player he is. And, and, and so when he drove down the lane and he, that shot went up, I knew that it was going in. I mean, that's and, um, crazy, right? Yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, that's not not even uh, it, it's not overstating the fact that that is like the stuff of legend. That's that's something that will go down as a an accompanying storyline to this shot. That's going to put Javon McClanahan sort of in this rare air. Um, that is real chicken sti- uh, skin stuff. Yeah, I, I'll never forget it because the way he looked at me. Because I looked at him like, huh? What'd you say? And then, and then he looked at me and like almost like grabbed me, and he said, "I'm finna game it right now." And I just, and I just, and I said, I, I had the most belief that he was, and and um, it is legendary. And and it was he he hit it and got fouled. Um, unbelievable play. It will probably be something I'll never forget. He won't ever forget. Hawaii fans will never forget. It was it's one of the most legendary things that's ever happened. Hey, Coach Jordan here. Yeah, I mean that that thing's gonna get replayed for for years and years and years to come right whether the program or even just the history of the tournament for as long as the as as the diamond head is in existence right and i'm kind of curious with with the with the the little time that was on the clock and and javon's kind of got this look in his eye he tells you uh what you just shared you know is you got noel sort of flaring to the corner like there were options there is is that one of those situations where it's like we've got a play sort of drawn up but it really is kind of coming down to look the guy's just got to go make a play or uh, as a coach as you sort of process through everything there it's like okay well javon what if you get triple teamed you know like is there an option to pass out like how does that all process for you where it's like this guy's clearly got something in mind but uh you know he's got to go out and execute or is it just there's so little time it's like look man just go out and make a play yeah, I mean, we, we basically we, we set a cross screen for him so that he would catch the ball going to his right hand and, you know, get with a head of steam going downhill. And then obviously we set another screen for Noel. So if he was able to take two dribbles and at half court Noel was open, obviously he could have passed it ahead to him and Noel would have been able to catch and shoot. Um, but really, like, it, it comes down to you don't have a lot of time. You've got to go make a play. And, um, you know, the one thing that, that teams or, or kids do in that situation is they, they take two or three dribbles and they get to half court and they think they have to shoot it. And so to Javon's credit, he kept dribbling and he got to the three-point line and he really rose up and got a really good look. I mean, he, um, you know, a lot of times you see guys take, take really bad shots at the end of the game because they kind of panic. But Javon was going to do whatever it took to get to that spot, and he was going to rise up and shoot it. And and I knew he wasn't passing when he told me that. I mean, I knew Noel was that wasn't even going to be an option for him, even if he got triple team, because he was going to find a way to get that shot up. Yeah, I was so impressed after being you know kind of bottled up by their length all game in, in the way he was able to kind of get to the perfect spot on the floor to get that shot off over over two different defenders. Uh, kind of looking big picture, how do you guys sort of bottle that up? The the emotion, the excitement of how well you played over the course of the three games and the way that the, the whole tournament finished now as you uh, sort of springboard into, into conference. 
Yeah, it is a quick turnaround, and we just spent about two hours meeting on how we were going to get, you know, let let that one go. You know, we, uh, hopefully they were able to enjoy it for, you know, Christmas evening and all day yesterday, and then really we have to switch gears. I mean, um, it, Davis is coming in hungry, and it's the first conference game. You, we really are, you talk to your guys and say, hey, we're 0-0, zero and, zero, and we're the next goal of us is to, to win a regular season Big West championship. And, you know, I think the one thing that was really really good to see was that during throughout this tournament, our guys, they won a game against Pepperdine. And they they immediately celebrated and got right to on Washington State. And they it seemed like they were on a mission. It wasn't – they were never satisfied on, you know, beating Washington State and to get to the finals. You know, a lot of times you get to the finals for the first time and you and you kind of like, yeah, we, hey, we did that. But, no, they really, really wanted to, to achieve the next thing. And so – that's going to be the challenge for us is to, to um, you know, switch gears and get ready for a very good Davis team at home on Thursday. Hopefully the stand's rocking and everyone builds momentum off off the big weekend. And, um, you know, and, and it's going to be an emotional game as well. And they're going to have to you know, really rest up and get ready. We're talking with the University of Hawaii men's basketball associate head coach John Montgomery. Uh, he is joining us via the Aloha Kia hotline. Of course, uh, we're still buzzing about that fantastic finish at the Hawaiian Airlines Diamond Head Classic. But, yeah, it, it's time to turn the page, obviously, uh, and get to work in the Big West Conference. But what has been established here with this team, and I know that this is part of your focus as a member of this coaching staff, is the defense that's being played. Hawaii is now top 20 in scoring defense nationally, also top 20 in opponents' three point percentage among several statistics that I think uh, really represent how well this defense has been playing throughout the year. Uh, it strikes me as being a situation where it doesn't feel like this team with the way they play defense um, is ever going to be out of any games like that defense will keep Hawaii in games throughout the year. Uh, can you just talk about being that that's one of your uh, you know areas of, of Kuliana with this coaching staff just can you talk a little bit about about uh, how this defense is sort of constructed and, and where you see the strength of this defense and why it's been so effective to this point. Yeah, to be honest with you, I, I, you know, or we had some success early on. That, you know, maybe we weren't playing as good of opponents. And, and um, you know, now we're 12 games in, and, and the numbers don't lie. I do think we our guys are really bought in on the defensive end. I think they've kind of been able to, you know, say that this is something that we're going to do is we're going to defend you and we're not going to let you score and we're going to make it tough for you guys. And, and they kind of have a, a pride about it right now and, and they feel pretty good about it. And, you know, we do have good length um, across the board other than maybe uh, Javon is not the tallest and longest guy, but he is a he's really good on the ball. And, and we were talking the other day about, you know, he could be one of those guys that ends up being defensive player in the year in, wow. uh, in the Big West just because of how – how he gets after guys, and you know, Noel's a strong guard that's good defensively. Um, Samuta has taken a huge jump. I mean, Samuta, uh, he wanted that Maxwell Lewis matchup against Pepperdine, and then you know, I really thought Noel would be a good matchup for Bomba, Washington State, who's their leading scorer. And, and Samuta said, "No, I want him." And, and I've never heard Samuta do that, and that's something that that's kind of an evolution for him. Is our guys are talking defense? Our guys are, you know, they're 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 taking a lot of pride in it, and so. You know, he wanted that Bomba matchup. And, you know, Bomba had, you know, 19 points, and Maxwell Lewis had, you know, 20-plus points. But they had to shoot a lot of shots. I mean, I think Bomba was uh, 6 of 18, and Lewis was 9 of 21. So we've talked a lot about, you know, making those guys work. Hmm. And, and if they're going to get their points, they gotta they got to take a lot of attempts. And so 
Um, you know, we're a team that we're number one in the country and not allowing teams to get assists. So we're, yeah. we're a team that, um, we, we help in the gap and then we fan out to shooters and we make them, we were really talk a lot about taking tough contested twos. That mid range shot with a hand is a low percentage shot. Um, and that's kind of what our deal is, just take away the three and make them shoot, you know, fadeaway runners or tough twos. And, you know, it was good to see more come in there and be a rim, rim protector and block a few shots. Bernardo's doing that a little bit better. And Kamakis is, is he just plugs every gap with his length. Yeah, you know, the, so. the, the ability to do some of that without fouling, um, you know, and, and that's yeah. not going to happen every game, but it, it seems as though they're pretty effective. And, you know, frankly, that's one of the factors that played into why uh, Javon McClanahan had a chance to hit that shot was because uh, SMU wasn't in the double bonus because you guys hadn't committed that many fouls in the second half. So they were still shooting one and one missed both front ends, and all of a sudden the magic happens. So uh, do you guys talk about that part of it as well? Yeah, we talk a lot about defending without fouling, and, and um, you know, I think early on we were fouling a little bit more, and now we've, we've gotten better, and we've kind of figured out, um, you know, to show our hands on the drive, or, or we've gotten better at walling up when the guy goes to the rim and, and not put bringing your, down, your hand down. You know, we talk a lot about not bailing them out, and, um, you know, so those are things that you're right. It was, a, it was a huge thing. We had a foul to give, you know, and, hmm. and I think the Washington State game or even maybe the, the SMU game, you know, late. And so, and those things are, those things are, you know, they're, they're huge factors. Like you said, they had to shoot a one and one, um, that possession, you know, where they got a shot clock violation under one minute. And, you know, you talk about the last eight seconds of that possession. Javon was just in Phelps's, you, you know what, and he, he couldn't even get a shot off. I mean, that, that play might've been just as big as, you know, the shot in a sense, because if, if they score, you know, we don't even get that opportunity. So you're right. It's, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a, skill is defending without fouling and we we've talked a lot about it and we work on it so it's working right now yeah and even uh, you mentioned guys like um sec you know coming off the bench cody williams i thought you know impacted the game with his defense that that depth um that is developed from from the bench guys uh beyond riley had a terrific tournament in double digits again on sunday uh how valuable do you feel that's going to be as you guys get into now the the sort of the Big West rhythm and and how that sort of you know unfolds on a week to week basis? It's going to be huge. I mean, it's a, it's this is a gauntlet. We're playing twenty games, you know, everybody twice and two games every week, and so you know our depth is going to have to keep evolving and and keep helping us. I mean, you look at you know the, we talked a lot about every night's going to be a different guy's night and, and really that throughout the tournament it was i mean you know kamaka and noel had a great first game against pep and then samuda has his game against washington state and really i don't know who had their game against smu but if you look at it probably beyond and more were the, the two guys that came in and really you know really took charge and made some plays for us so um keep developing those guys i mean cody williams is a, is a phenomenal athlete he's a a strong, mature freshman that we, we knew. We see that every day in practice. Um, so we knew we could go in there and defend those guards. And, you know, it's just about getting him, you know, more reps so that he's more comfortable out there and, and doing that. But, you know, you're right. It's it's the, the, the depth is huge for us. I mean, we did play our starters a lot of minutes. But the, when those guys came in the game, they made impacts, and that's what we need from them.
Yeah, uh, you, you know, you also have sort of the news coming out about Amaro Lotto being uh, out for uh, an extended period of time. And so, yeah, the depth would otherwise take a hit. But part of the reason why we saw Cody Williams uh, and, and, and the kind of minutes that he had played in a high leverage situation in a big game against SMU, that's that's pretty remarkable. What is introduced going into conference play? And again, we're talking with Hawaii associate head coach John Montgomery via the Aloha Kia hotline. The familiarity factor. Uh, you have coaches who know you guys, know your personnel you know they, they've they've uh you've played each other multiple times here over the last few years so uh how difficult is that from a game planning standpoint and a preparation standpoint when you go into conference play and everybody just knows each other on that sort of intimate level absolutely i mean coach les has been at uh uc davis all the eight years that we've been here and and uh, we know all the ins and outs of their <laughs> program and they know all the ins and outs of our program and um, you know, they, it's, so it's, it, you know, like I, I, I can tell you what Davis does already and I haven't even, you know, watched that much film on him. So it, it changes the whole game and, and, um, you know, it, it makes it, it makes it more difficult, but it makes it more fun as well. You know, you, you, uh, you kind of have little rivalries going on and you remember what happened last year and you go back and watch the game last year and you figure out what they were trying to do to take things away from us and what we did. And so, a real grind and a gauntlet this year of playing. I mean, this will probably be the first year we actually play the 20 games and, you know, two every week and the, you know, the bye weeks are, are very uh, minimal. And so, um, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. Um, you know, I wish we would, were able to enjoy the diamond head for maybe one more day, <laughs> but, uh, we're back on it. And, uh, you know, we have practice here in about 30 minutes and, you know, we're going to show film on Davis and walk through Davis and get, get the guys ready and make sure that they're emotionally and, and and rested and they're ready to go for Thursday night because that's going to be a huge game for us. Well, we know you got work to do and we want to let you go. I do want to ask just one more thing, just going back to Javon McClanahan. He's having a moment right now, uh, and this is a guy who, as you say, he's he's undersized by the prototypical standard. Um, you know, this is a guy, we, there were a lot of people who were lamenting the injury to, to Juan Munoz, and, 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 you know, Javon McClanahan is a guy who had to absorb more responsibility because of that in the backcourt. How happy are you for this dude and what he has turned himself into I, I couldn't be more happier I mean honestly like I've known Javon since um you know he was a freshman in high school going to Salesian um watched him throughout his career and there was just something about Javon I just said that kid one day is going to do something special you know he has a twin brother who plays at Utah Valley and the two of them are very close and you kind of almost got him confused when you watched him because <laughs> they were they look identical obviously so you're always you kind of like you didn't really know which one was better, which one had different strengths, because they, they were always on the same team. And, and then now uh, just seeing him in a third year in our program and how much he's evolved. And you know, I joked with him, I said, we, we need to get your dad a, a place out here because, um, you know, his dad was here all weekend and he played really well. So um, just to have him be part of that was really cool for Javon. And, um, you know, I, I think it's his, his makeup. He's just he's just the fiercest competitor. And, um, you know, he put a, put in a lot of work in the offseason. And really, like, he was our best player in practice early on. He was ready to go and wanted wanted to win that spot, even with Juan Munoz there. And, and uh, all that work has paid off, and, you know, he, he was able to have that moment for us and for him, and it's been great. Good stuff. Hey, Coach, we appreciate the time. Thank you. Uh, best of luck as you now uh, focus on conference play and uh, UC Davis and Cal Poly here this week. But uh, thanks for being so generous with your time, and congrats on the Diamond Head Classic Championship. I appreciate it, guys, and we'll, we'll see you Thursday. All right. Take care. Thanks, Coach.
John Montgomery, associate head coach for the Rainbow Warrior basketball team, joining us via the Aloha Kia hotline. Aloha Kia, see ya in a Kia. Yeah, UC Davis on Thursday and then Cal Poly on the 31st. That's right, it's a New Year's Eve battle at 5 p.m. Uh, so if you thought spending Christmas with the Bows was fun, imagine the fireworks that could occur on New Year's Eve. So, uh, yeah, you might want to check that out again. UC Davis Thursday, Cal Poly on Saturday. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we do have to talk a little bit about this Tua Tonga-Vailoa thing. It is an area of concern for sure. Jordan Helley is joining me. Josh Pacheco is working the board. Let's talk. Talk Sports rolls on after this. Welcome back. Let's Talk Sports. Kanoa Leahy here in the PAXA studios in Honolulu. Uh, Jordan Helley is joining from his home studio on Maui. Josh Pacheco is working the board. All right. Uh, we don't have a, a ton of time to dive into this uh, topic, which is probably a topic that requires a little more time, but uh, just maybe some surface-level reaction uh, to the news that Tua Tonga-Vailoa is once again in concussion protocol leads you to believe, at least speculate, that he very well could have suffered his third concussion this season, which is, hey, look, I'm no scientist. Uh, I have not done firsthand research on the impacts of concussion, only based on some of the articles that we read and what other experts say. But that doesn't sound like a good thing. It sounds potentially career-threatening type stuff. Jordan, what do you think? That's scary, right? I mean, it, it's 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 never good um, when you're talking about head injury, whether you want to, you know, get into the long-lasting impacts or anything like that which i think a lot of the the literature will show that is it is very very um concerning and and the more concussions that you sustain the the more at risk you become and and the further the damage can be um you know bad down the road and so yeah it's just it's concerning um another instance where he potentially could have suffered a concussion but didn't result in him leaving the game mm -hmm. uh which i think is another very very concerning part of all of this um where all of the safeguards in place and the spotter and the team and the independent neurology and all of this stuff right it's supposed to be in place um yeah why does that why does it seem like that's not working yeah, so well within exactly. the miami organization or or at least in with regard to tua tonga vailoa seems like there's some kind of disconnect in all of that yeah, that that's that I think is is you know very very troubling, um, and when you you know it's to protect the players against themselves, right? You know, you've saw, you've seen stuff on the internet sure. while he, he's not saying anything and all these guys. Well, yeah, that's that's how these things work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also football players, and that's that's why you need independent guys. You need the the league has these spotters up high that that are specifically tasked with looking for incidents where you get your head slammed to the ground and all these kinds of things. And I. And I get it. It's not a perfect process, um, and there, for as many safeguards as you can put in there, it doesn't always necessarily, you know, it's not foolproof. It's not 100%. But if this has happened several times now, right, the, the, then there is a bigger issue at play. And, and boy, I hope he's okay um, yeah. because I think at the end of the day, what, whoever you want to point the finger at, whatever, that's, 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 a, that's a part of the conversation. But, man, it's scary. It's scary for him. Um, regardless of how you want to talk about how he's played the last few weeks or anything like that or how well he played prior to that. Like, it's just, it's it's a dangerous game. It's a violent game. We know that. We've seen players who have long-lasting effects of the trauma that that is suffered and inflicted upon these guys throughout. Um, but for, for, 
for Tua to be obviously in such a public position and and the way that these things have been handled, it is it is very very concerning. Yeah, I, I think you know obviously you talk about the long term effects and and the the first and foremost concern has to be Tua as a person, right, and making sure that he is not suffering something that is going to impact him for the rest of his life, right? That's the seriousness of this. And then you want to talk about the football part, right? And and you know you you start thinking about his career, right? And and should steps be taken uh, from some on the outside intervening to prevent him from continuing to play at least for the duration of this season and, and how much does that impact a long-term contract type of thing I, I think that what's happening now is yeah there is now going to be a perception as unfair as it is and as unseeming it may be uh, to talk about because you know you're talking about concussions uh, as 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 uh, opposed or as a factor in in talking about contracts which seems really trivial uh, but you know the the concern is you know when you when when you consider Tua and his long-term value how much does this play into that and then what really kind of aggravates me is yeah there seem to be some misgivings here within the Miami organization or at least with the elements that are supposed to be the the working as the guardrails around these things as it pertains to Tua they don't seem to be working so well right now uh, with regard to the Miami Dolphins and it's almost like now the Miami Dolphins because of what could possibly be an ineptitude on on the organization's part or however you want to break it down they're actually putting themselves in a position to maybe not also want to put as much value into a long-term contract for Tua going forward and it's like that that's that's mind-numbingly irritating because uh, it, it feels like he's suffering and his career and future might be suffering because of what other people aren't doing well in some respects at least in reaction to what's happening to him on the field so those are my concerns there we got to take a break we'll have our best and worst when we come back you're listening to let's talk sports welcome back let's talk sports kanoa Leahy being joined by jordan helly who's jumping on from the island of maui uh it is our last segment first want to thank john montgomery associate head coach for the rainbow warrior basketball team for giving us some time uh, earlier in the show uh, but we like to end things with our best and worst so uh, jordan what you coming at me with with your best yeah, my best. I'm going to go back a week's time. Uh, Iolani Classic. I don't know if you guys got a chance to talk too much about it, uh, you know, sort of in the aftermath. But uh, Mount St. Joseph uh, defeated Montverde, who's the number one team in the country, or were at the time, uh, in one of like the biggest upsets. It's not like Mount St. Joseph is in a, uh, a really good program out of the Baltimore area. Uh, but, you know, Montverde's otherworldly. Like, it's a, it's a de facto, like, you know, junior college team, basically, of, uh, like, future stars and nba players uh beat them uh and then it was newman garetti who's now up to number six in the country in the max preps rankings uh who beat mount St. Just a double overtime like a double overtime classic in the championship game like how much how much better does it get than that so uh yeah i gotta give a shout out they, they always do it's a, it's a first class event there uh but the game's delivered uh, it was like a one point win in the semifinals for mount st joseph and then they they take newman garetti to double overtime before the philadelphia school ends up winning it uh, it was it was quite entertaining. 
Yeah, no, that's awesome. Uh, another year, another fantastic tournament over there, uh, the Iolani Prep Classic. Uh, as you mentioned, never disappoints. Uh, all right, my best, uh, if it wasn't for this, I think Javon McClanahan would have been the number one play on SportsCenter, uh, but my best is the Aaron Gordon Christmas Day dunk against the Suns, uh, where he seemingly suspended gravity, was initially called for a charge after just jumping, like, over Landry Shamit essentially, uh, but they reviewed it and they reversed it, and I think rightfully so because I think that goes down as certainly the dunk of the year so far and maybe one of the best in-game dunks of all time. Yes, I said it up there with the Lister Blister, some of the Vince Carter shenanigans, all of that stuff. Dr. J rocking the baby to sleep. I think that Aaron Gordon dunk uh, is all time. It was, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, just like... All of the, I loved all the, they showed, uh, you know, some clips online, like all of different angles, like people with their phone in the stands, uh, like a compilation. You can probably find it on Twitter or whatever yeah. it is. Uh, just every angle, every angle, it just looks more and more ridiculous. Yeah. There's like one from like the opposite sort of corner end zone shot like from floor level oh. it's like what oh. how, do, how do they how do they do this oh you mean the shot that's now uh canola's wallpaper on his cell phone that is right from the baseline Aaron were you Gordon. there too he made he made it on my phone man he made it on my phone that's how you know it's big time what's your worst inspiration uh yeah since i've got a a, a mets fan and a uh a giants fan on the other end of this this uh, radio deal here uh what's the what's Car carlos correa what's the what's the what's going on <laughs> Like what? I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, didn't he play all of last year? Yeah. I don't. I yeah, don't. I don't know. Yeah. But I, I just, you know, did I? I. I don't really know what's going. Well, on. Well, at the end of the day, the Mets are spending more money than uh, any entity in the known universe. And um, hey, look, you know, as a Mets fan, I'm not above buying our way to a playoff spot or a championship or, or even a, a shot at a championship. Yeah, spend away there, Mr. Cohen. Uh, yeah, no, that, that's, that's been a confusing situation for sure, but I'm hoping my uh, Mets are the beneficiary. All right, my worst, the uh, DJ Uyunglele saga. Uh, he was transferring from Clemson, and then uh, this dude at 24-7 Sports posts uh, his crystal ball prediction, 100% that he was going to the University of Hawaii. The murkiest when crystal we first, ball. Yeah, when we first heard it, we're like, come on, get out of with that, whatever. And then, of course, human nature... Uh, because it starts going around a little bit on social media. A lot of people are mistaking it as an actual report. And the next thing you know, we're like, well, what if he does? I mean, he hasn't said he's going anywhere else. Oh, my gosh, is he going to what? And it just became this thing. Timmy Chang sort of uh, tempered things by saying, hey, look, we like our quarterback room. And, of course, DJ ultimately goes to Oregon State, which is a rival of the program that his brother went to, which was Oregon. So, uh, hey, look, it's all weird all around. But, uh, yeah, the DJ Uyangle psych out is my worst. And that is it for us. We got to take a break. Jordan, appreciate it, man. J uh, Josh, thanks for running the thing. He'll have some uh, giveaways, by the way, for UH basketball later today. That's it for us. See you next time. Let's talk sports.